0: Hi, everybody. Stefan Molyneux from Freedom Main Radio. Hope you're doing well. Well, we watched the Democrat debate last night from beginning to end and everything in between. We have some thoughts uh, to share uh, about it. And um, I hope that you'll enjoy this review of uh, what went uh, down. And uh, I guess my my first comment, and it's the same one that I had for the Republican debate, is where was the deficit? Where was the debt? Does this not exist in these people's universe this something that needs to be dealt with uh did i miss something did i doze off was it there
1: at all there was lots of talks about adding to the debt and adding to spending Mm -hmm. that for sure and lots of talks about the one percent you know the democratic debate drinking game is anytime the top one percent is mentioned take a shot and you were hammered 15 minutes in thanks to bernie sanders primarily Mm -hmm. um and the 1% thing just drives me nuts because, you know, the 1%, we have income inequality in the United States. The top 1% has all the wealth. Well, you know, if you look at any category, the top 1% of any category tends to have the most of that category. Height, IQ, beauty, weight, singing ability, charisma. You know, the people at the top tend to be really, really good at whatever that attribute is. So the top 1% kind of differentiates itself from the rest, the other 99 in just about every other category, not just income and wealth. So, that being said, trying to redistribute it is uh, going to be a bit of a
0: challenge. Yeah, I mean, it's the same in, in acting. 99% of the money goes to 1% of the people. Same thing in sports. And uh, so Bernie Sanders, I did a quick tot-up of what he's um, offering to uh, give to the American public. And uh, so we got Medicare for All. This is just over a 10-year window. So Medicare for All, $15 trillion.
1: Sure.
0: $15 trillion. And that's assuming that if you add to the benefits available to people in America, more people won't want to come to America. Uh, so this is it's the same thing they do with college, right? They say, well, we'll give free college tuition, and it's going to cost X. But they basically say, well, how many people are in uh, government run uh, schools at the moment, government run colleges, state colleges, and we'll just cover that and it's the but they don't realize of course that uh it's public choice theory that people will change their decisions based upon economic incentives and so how many people are going to transfer from private colleges to government colleges if government colleges become free well it's going to be huge Mm -hmm. but anyway so he's got 15 trillion in medicare for for uh, all social security 1.2 trillion his infrastructure program 1 trillion dollars college affordability 750 billion He wants to create a paid leave fund at at $319 billion because, you know, $320 would be way too high. Prop up private pension funds. is going to cost him $29 billion. Youth Jobs Initiative at $5.5 billion. He wants expanded child care and pre-K programs, and he's not even said how much that's going to cost. So uh, over 10 years, that's at least at a bare minimum, and it's probably going to be at least double this, $18 trillion. So he's going to add a third to the federal outlays. In other words, he wants to add um, $18 trillion, the entire debt, again, over 10 years. And I don't think that's going to come from a speculation tax on Wall Street unless there's going to be like nothing left at at the Wall Street area other than a few farms run by aging communal
1: hippies. Well, we talked about this in The Truth About Bernie Sanders' presentation that even if you tax the rich at 100%. 100 percent, which no one can say is not a fair share. I mean, someone – I guess someone could make the case that 99 percent is not a fair share. But 100 percent, logically, you can't even make that argument. If you tax them at 100 percent, you barely cover the current uh, budget deficit currently in the U.S. with the level of spending that we have without adding an additional $18 trillion to it.
0: Well, and it's it's the kind of – like we talked about in the R versus K presentations, which people can find on this channel under the title Gene Wars – that any hint of limitation uh, is not great for the R-selected uh, people. And uh, this is as, as true on the Republican side as it is on the Democrat side. There's not one not one question. I mean, it came with global warming and all the foreign policy and so on. But you'd think that how can you actually pay for all of this stuff would be an important question in a sane universe. But... Uh couldn't find
1: it. And I, 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 I kind of get it. If you if you don't understand economics, and it's not like they teach you this stuff in government schools. They certainly didn't teach me this when I went to U.S. government schools and took some private reading on my own in quite a few years to get the lay of the land as to how this stuff works. You know, the idea of Medicare for all. I mean, you know, that sounds great. Like, we can give everyone health care. Like, wouldn't you want that? I mean, yeah. Wouldn't you want that if, if you could pay for it and all that stuff? I can understand why that would be attractive. Social security, you know, you don't want grandma to have to eat cat food and die in the street. I get it. You don't want bridges to collapse for infrastructure. That's important. Bridges collapsing. That's bad, right? You want people to be able to afford college. Yeah, you know, that That sounds great. You know, paid uh, family leave. Oh, m- moms can stay home with their babies? Well, that's uh, that sounds good. I of course they they could just save up and you know do that anyway. You know, it's not like they're or, or have a husband. <laughs> well, come on, Steph. Let's not get crazy there. <laughs> you know, bolster pensions. You know, youth initiatives. Yeah, you know, create jobs. Young people having jobs and working. That sounds good. You know, if I didn't understand economics, and it took me a while to understand economics because again, this isn't taught in schools. You know, all this stuff sounds great on paper, but when it comes to practical reality, it's just not possible for the government to do this in a way that's not going to completely obliterate other aspects of the economy, which will then need more government programs. There's, you know, no more permanent solution to a problem than a government program that just creates more problems, which then needs another government program and yada, yada, yada. So, I I mean, I understand the appeal of Bernie Sanders and he's talking about, you know, he came out, and defended Edward Snowden, which is in stark contrast to Republican candidate Donald Trump and some of the other people that call Snowden a traitor and, you know, call for – I think Trump actually said – I don't know that he said uh, put to death, but he made allusions to, you know, we used to do a certain thing with traitors in the past, alluding to that. And, uh, you know, he actually said, you know, he put this information out in the public landscape and help the increase the awareness of what the NSA was doing. And I mean, I certainly appreciate that and I understand that perspective. So there's a lot of things that Bernie Sanders says that sound very attractive, but when it comes to economics on paper None of this stuff is going to work and it's just create, going to create a whole lot more problems and all the stuff that you want, more people who have health care, old people who have social security, you're going to get the exact opposite of it because, well, have you found a government program that actually achieves anything close to its stated goal instead of the opposite? Not really.
2: Mike, yes. I would like to correct you on one thing. <laughs> sure. You don't need any knowledge of economics to know that resources are finite. I think that they teach you that in physics, I think uh something about I didn't have a physics course in high school.
0: No, come on. They teach you that in cold you get an allowance.
2: <laughs> no, but but you don't need you don't need uh, any knowledge of economics to understand that someone is, someone is going to have to pay. I'm just really trying
1: to empathize and understand the
2: Bernie Sanders support. Oh, I I, I really know
1: that. I'm trying. I'm really trying. It's it's
2: a bit of a stretch for me. That's just what I'm saying. <laughs> A bit of a stretch because
0: well, everyone the knows there's a debt, is. right? I mean, if they can follow the arcane ramblings on foreign policy that these people went through, they must know that there's such a thing as a debt um, and th- that it was not addressed. Uh, that that's, but that that's goes against the whole political narrative that we will give you something for nothing, which is as true on the left as, as it is on the right.
1: Well, it's fascinating that um, most of the candidates and Bernie Sanders specifically—he's the one that brought it up the most—are very, very concerned about climate change. Uh, some of the some of the um, candidates, when asked, you know, what's the most pressing issue, the most you know important issue facing the country from a national security standpoint moving forward, you know, some talked about international stuff, but Bernie Sanders said climate change and. You know, wanting children to grow up in a world and have it be habitable in the future. And, you know, it, it's even if you accept the climate change narrative, which I don't, and there's a lot of evidence to suggest that it's nonsense, um, you can look for other videos on this channel to, for more information on that. But if you're concerned about creating a future world that's habitable for our children, how about not racking them with trillions and trillions of dollars of national debt? You know, we talked about net debt in the form of college student loans being crippling to people. Well, we're just throwing it on their back in the form of government debt as well. That kind of counts. You know, <laughs> that's you can't get a do-over when it comes to government debt. You may be able to give people, you know, well, you can – you can uh, refinance your college student loans if I get an office, okay, well, that sounds great on paper, but you 're not going to be able to continue to refinance all that government debt at some point the bill 's going to come due, and if it 's not tied to you know Billy Bob, who went to college but it 's tied to Billy Bob because he 's owed or he owes that share of national debt, his future 's not going to look so great even if we solve a climate change issue he 's not going to live in a prosperous future. So all this concern about children in the future for climate change, no one cares about them in the standpoint of national debt. And it's just kind of maddening. Oh, I mean,
0: this is this is what it is the case for me, at least watching any political spectacle is it's a desert of crazy with the occasional oasis of sanity, like against the Iraq war. Good on you, Bernie. You know, opposition to the war on drugs. I can I can be down with that. Uh, and and some of the other stuff, um, the the um, the disgust against the um, uh, influence of Wall Street in politics, uh, fantastic. But then, how on earth do you get to love Barack Obama, who took as a presidential wannabe the most money from Wall Street that anyone was ever taken in the history of? Politics and that's saying something.
1: Well, and Hillary Clinton, whose foundation was taking money from foreign governments while she was still Secretary of State, you know, and you're saying this stuff next to her without immediately drawing the line from corporate interests and uh, people <laughs> in foreign governments to Hillary on the stage—that's a bit uh, a bit much.
0: Well, and but but Bernie Sanders, when he says, and this uh, honestly, this is the the part that stuck out for me most in the entire length of the debate, when he said without drastic action the planet is going to be uninhabitable for our children and their children well first of all if it's uninhabitable for your children you don't have to worry about their children so logically that doesn't make a whole lot of sense but that is a first of all even the worst estimates from the climate change experts do not have the planet uninhabitable in 30 years like there's there's the whole planet has just turned into venus in 30 years and that level of extremism it strikes me as, and, and saying something like that, and no one calling him on it, saying, let's not get crazy here. That, it, that is incredibly dangerous and a very destructive thing to say, because it takes the enthusiasm and the energy out of young people. Like, why would like, go to college to live on Venus? <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, be responsible, don't smoke, kids. <laughs> Get your exercise and, and make sure you stay healthy because when you start snorting sulfuric acid, when the wind blows from hell itself, you'll need to be fit as you die. I mean, that is incredibly deflationary uh, to, to people's uh, ambitions and, and expectations. I mean, what the hell is the point of going for college if, you know, I might as well sit here and smoke drugs if it's the literal end of the world in 20 or 30 years? Uh, that, that is incredibly dangerous. And the fact that he would say something like that I mean, he is, of course, you know, just this he's the worst combination because he's a complete curmudgeon who looks almost exactly like one of the guys in the balcony on uh, in the Muppet show. But he says he's a well-armed curmudgeon because, you know, curmudgeons are just like, get off my lawn. Right. And he's like, get off your lawn. I just gave it to some voters. (laughs) And and that is that is really uh, some dangerous stuff. But the fact that he would go this crazy means that he is uh, dangerously mental uh, at a very fundamental level.
2: To be fair to Bernie, though. If he was not allowed to be crazy, his whole campaign goes out the window. Right.
1: Well, they did actually ask him the question, can a can a self-professed socialist be elected president? Is that possible? Does that work? And then somehow the, the phrase casino capitalist was invoked like 800 times. And, you know, I'm like, who is he talking about? Is he talking about the Fertita brothers? Is he talking about Trump? Who's, who are we talking about with casino capitalists? But uh, I guess that's the new buzzword term for people that make money.
0: I, you know, I, I got to, I'll diverge with you a little bit on this one because, you know, we talk about crony capitalism, crapitalism, casino capitalism is another way of doing it, uh, a way of saying it. And, and I think to be fair, there is, uh, there are a lot of people who make a lot of money doing some very unproductive or negative stuff in the modern economy. Lending to governments is one of them, right? They lend a bunch of money to the government and it gets burned out of the general economy. Uh, and goes to uh, end up paying government workers who, end. I think, the latest estimates is they're making 78% more than private sector workers. And uh, there is a lot of, you know, we, we gambled a whole bunch. I mean, admittedly, they were forced to by the government in some ways. But, you know, the bank bailouts of 2007, 2008, 2009 it, it ran into the trillions. And so the too big to fail, the too big to jail kind of stuff, I think there is some legitimate resentment. Of course, the answer that, that more government power is is the wrong answer. But uh, I think that there is a a sense of resentment towards people who are making money not by lending money to businesses that can fail, but by lending money to governments and getting bailed out when um, lending money to private individuals fails. Oh,
1: of course. But just saying the word casino capitalist or crony capitalism doesn't actually change anything. And if the solution is just tax people more, well, we see what happens in that case. They just move their business overseas to a place with a lower tax bracket. I mean, (laughs) Donald Trump frequently is talking about this in the campaign. He's never going to eat another Oreo as long as he lives because apparently Nabisco, which is, I think, the group that makes Oreos is moving to Mexico or something of the sort. So you're just going to get that type of thing. And yes, on Wall Street you do have a little more control because Wall Street is centralized in the U.S. So you can't tax those profits. But there is no firm plan in place or anything other than invoking this this word of casino capitalist. And if and there was a lot of talk around the banks and the banks being too big to fail and bank bailouts and you know that's an important conversation to have. But in that conversation, nobody is talking about the biggest bank. And uh, it being too big to fail, which is the Federal Reserve and all this money printing that's going on and the control of interest rates and everything along those lines, which, given that Bernie Sanders wants to spend trillions and trillions of dollars on all types of programs, he's going to have to finance that, often through uh, inflationary money, monetary supply measures. And the Federal Reserve is not too big to fail, but you know, Goldman Sachs or other banks are and were. So that's uh, a big thing that's being overlooked in this discussion when it comes to too big to fail and uh, corporate issues.
0: Sanders was talking about we need fewer people put in jail and we need to spend more money on education. Now, there's so much implicit admission of prior fault in all of this that only people lost in the bubble of now could fail to see the pattern. Because he's basically saying, well, we're not when education is not doing a good enough job. The government uh, education is not doing a good enough job. So people are ending up in jails. And that's kind of a pretty strong <laughs> condemnation of uh, of public schools. That they're so terrible that people are becoming criminals as a result of exposure to uh, public schools. And uh, again, everyone cheers like, yeah, let's spend more on public schools because we want fewer people in jail. But there is that implicit explication of that relationship that government schools are driving people into jail whether well, that's true or not but again people just don't even seem to uh to really notice that uh, that relationship they keep saying oh well there's this this terrible stuff that's happening this government is doing this terrible stuff it's like you all have been part of the government for decades for the most part so aren't you just the head of pepsi who's been the head of pepsi for 30 years saying pepsi is a really horrible company that poisons people uh, where were you last yesterday? Oh, I was ahead of Pepsi 10 years ago. Oh, yeah, I had a Pepsi. <laughs> Is this not just shooting yourself in the head?
2: <laughs> and of course, there's an implicit condemnation of public school teachers as well, because if uh, immigrants from the ter- third world are outperforming Americans, even though Americans are able to spend much more on education, what does that say about these lovely American teachers? Mm. But, of course, you cannot offend the teachers. Now you see,
1: Stoyan, the schools are terrible, and we're not educating our children properly, but the teachers are awesome and great. Nothing wrong with the teachers. <laughs> just no problems at money. all. <laughs> they just need more money. That, that, that's it.
2: it. It's the
0: air conditioning, I think, that's the problem. Oh, the windows! It's the windows! No, the vents! The vents! They
1: need colored chalk. That's the solution. Get that colored chalk, and test scores are going to go through the roof. Now, I did
0: do—and I, I can't do too much fact-checking on this stuff because it makes my brain— want to go to costa rica but um so sanders uh you know, almost all the new income and wealth is going to the top one percent right so that's his um his contention he appears at at the kindest and most charitable explanation to be relying on outdated data so uh in the first five years of the uh what was euphemi- what is euphemistically called the recovery like 'oh nine to twenty fourteen Um, The richest 1% of Americans got 58% of the income growth. And that's according to a University of California economist. And uh, so that's not almost all. It's more than half, but it's not almost all. However, in the first three years of the recovery, the richest 1% got 91% of the growth in income. Now, part of that, of course, is because there were massive bailouts. So, funny if you give trillions of dollars to people, how they end up with a lot of money. I don't know how that works, but it's something to do with that. Funny how when the tide comes in, the tide comes in. <laughs> but, uh, um, but what happened was um, there was, um, in 2013, the um, there were huge tax increases that went to the wealthiest Americans. So, of course, naturally, the companies paid out their big bonuses to their highest paid employees before... 2013 and then those bonuses fell back in size in 2013 and so it was government intervention in terms of having uh, huge tax increases and uh, that's why that's why they were trying to save their money from the huge tax increases 2014 the bottom 99% finally saw their incomes rise 3.3% which is the most it's increased in 15 years. So, of course, his implication is that it's somehow the free market, that uh, all the new income and wealth is going to the top 1%, but uh, that's a combination of impending tax increases, government action, and massive bailouts, government action. So, um, again, but the implication is we need more government action to solve the problems caused by previous government action.
1: I think the phrase was actually save capitalism from itself at one point in the debate. Yeah, rein in the excesses of capitalism, you see, because the government,
0: American government in particular, is never, never goes through those kinds of excesses and never needs saving from itself. Uh, and um, the fact that you in the government, which... Uh, you know, signs terrible trade deals, uh, pays $100 billion to Iran to get <laughs> nuclear weapons, uh, starts wars, bails out banks, uh, requires a third of Americans to have a license to even have a job and, and spends vastly out of proportion to its income that it looks across at, uh, you know, a couple of people trading freely and says, well, that's where the excess is in. There's a lot of excess over there. It's like, holy crap. I mean, this is like uh, <laughs> one of the... Uh, God-awfully fat French kings uh, looking at a skinny guy farming, saying, hey, that guy's got way too much food.
1: You know, we haven't talked much about – we talked quite a bit about Bernie, not a ton about Hillary, and none about the other three that were on the stage. I was curious if I could get your thoughts on uh, the other three gentlemen. First off, Michael O'Malley, who uh, came on the stage, was a former Baltimore governor.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: and still smells of cordite. (laughs) and gunpowder and black death and children's oh. candy when you're trying Uh-oh, to get sorry. elected presidents based on your experience as a baltimore mayor and any success there given that it's currently a steaming pile of wreckage um you're gonna have some challenges but he you know he said his sound bites very well and he looked very polished i will say yeah i like to get things done <laughs>
0: I like to see both sides of the issue and work to the... Oh, God. <laughs> oh, just the empty phrases, you know. I, I'm into what works, not what doesn't work. Really? Can you can you give
1: me an example of someone else who's not? I hate stuff that works. I, I like to piss in the wind. Well, you know, it, it, the biggest thing that he said that really just confused me, in the same sentence, he said, our country is doing better. We're creating jobs. And then he talked about... Uh, Poor families are now poor, less money. They're getting less money than they were 12 years ago. And it's like, aren't those in direct uh, (laughs) competition with each other? Our country's doing better. We're creating jobs. Okay, so if we're doing better and we're creating jobs, shouldn't the poor families then be doing better and have more money? No, poor families are still poor, making less money than 12 years ago. It's just like, okay, which is it? Which is it?
0: Well, are they talking about poor employed families or are they talking about poor families on welfare? That was not specified. that's a pretty big question because, you know, the poor families on welfare, their income is dependent upon the government. So if they're not doing well, that's the government. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it, w- once people find a, um, a poor family that's working hard, I guess we'll t- talk about that one, which is not a ding against poor families. It's just that we did a presentation, The Truth About Welfare. We talk about the welfare cliff. You can uh, check it out here. Um, Webb, was, he's the ex-Marine, right? Yes, he's the ex-Marine. Do they basically teach them how to narrow their eyes in that Clint Eastwood manner? Because it's really impressive. (laughs) Like, that's got to be like nine-tenths of basic training. Look here, narrow your eyes, and speak with a slight growl. I mean, he was – I thought he was great. I just don't know what he was doing there.
1: It's like he was on the wrong debate
2: stage. I have a theory, and uh, the theory goes something like this. They found a Republican. They brainwashed him by playing uh, Bernie Sanders speeches over and over again. And then they set him loose. And that's how they came up with Webb because, frankly, he was more Republican, or at least seemed more Republican than a lot of the Republicans during the Republican debate. So I'm not exactly sure what he was doing there, but hey, at least he had a foreign wife.
1: actually, at one point, uh, brought up, or um, it got brought up that he called affirmative action state sponsored racism. In the back. It's like, wow. Like, not expected to hear that on a Democrat debate stage. Um. Not
2: enough Bernie Sanders speeches.
1: And that was actually in reference to Ann Coulter's point, which is, uh, you know, affirmative action is for black Americans because of slavery. So even if you're pro affirmative action and you think it's really important, it doesn't make sense to expand that to other groups because the reason affirmative action exists is because of slavery and what black Americans went through. So. You know, giving it to, say, Asians or giving it to Hispanics doesn't make sense given what... Or even blacks from Haiti. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, I wasn't expecting to hear that. You know, he's the one person that talked about cyber warfare from China as, like, a thing, which, you know, if you've been following the news at all, and it's not like this is frequently talked about, so you might have missed it even if you were, that seems to be a big issue moving forward is the amount of cyber warfare going on and the fact that all this information is continually being compromised, by foreign governments, you know, people that are embedded in secret missions and involved in the security departments, you know, just all their information, medical stuff, you know, social security numbers, all that. Yeah, it, it may have been compromised, and an you know, email or two, you know. Well, Hillary, you know, Hillary Clinton talking about uh, Edward Snowden and getting very upset that Edward Snowden leaked this information because he could have just gone through the normal channels to be a whistleblower, <laughs> oh, and no. he leaked this information. <laughs> You know, it's very concerned about him leaking information that might have a negative impact on the security of Americans moving forward. And it's just like your server was in a bathroom in New York City. For God's sake, I cannot believe this woman is saying that this – these words, even by the standards of politics, modern politics. Uh, my head just exploded when she started going Server,
0: server in a bathroom gives new meaning to the term data dump. But, um, yeah, <laughs> I mean so Clinton – Let's <laughs> yes, right. She didn't
1: wipe. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> let's uh
0: let's talk about Clinton for a sec. Don't 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 let me go there, guys. I need you to shoot a grappling hook into my leg and pull me back from the Clinton darkness. Because um so Clinton's uh I I I was as transparent as I know how to be. <laughs> that is a terrifyingly true statement. Um because Clinton, of course, says, oh, it's partisan. It's not an issue. Of course, Obama said, no, it's a legitimate issue. and um,
1: They've since walked that back a little bit, by the way.
0: Of course they have, but not because of anything real. No. And uh, so she said, oh, I handed over all work-related emails to the State Department. Nope. And a committee later found emails between Clinton and uh, Blumenthal and David Petraeus, not included. She said, uh, Oh, I uh, turned over my emails in response to a routine request. Uh, State Department made a former secretary. Nope. And um, the request for all the emails was triggered by the revelation she had a private server. She said, Oh, I never received a subpoena for the emails. False. Um, someone has publicly produced one. Uh, it's not true. She said, Oh, I only used one email device, and that's why I had to be. <laughs> nope. And uh, she had at least an iPad and a BlackBerry. Uh, she said, oh, I, re- I, I, I emailed a lot with my husband, and that's why they're personal, right? Nope. Bill Clinton, a uh, spokesman, said that uh, Clinton only ever sent two ma- emails in his life, both when he was president. She said, oh, I never sent classified information on her email. <laughs> nope. Not true at all. Uh, she said, oh, no, it's, it was allowed. I, did, I didn't break any rules. Nope. Nope. <laughs> uh, It violated uh, the record retention requirements of the Obama administration and the chief transparency officer at the State Department, whom I'm sure his name is Casper, said the arrangement was, quote, not acceptable. She said Blumenthal's emails to her were unsolicited. It's not true. So it just goes on and on. This is – and Sanders, of course, doing the uh, White Knight Mangina human shield. Uh, Americans are sick of the emails. It, 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 they don't care. They want to move on. We to want to issues. talk
1: about real issues. Woo! And everyone, everyone in the building stands up and claps like, yes, you know, you have a, it a real on stage.
0: It is a real issue because it's it, it does speak to character. It does speak to integrity. It does speak to the sense that you're above the law. Uh, it is something that is important. And of course, Hillary Clinton, before she was fired uh, from the prosecution of Nixon, was involved in prosecuting Nixon for something far less important than this. And if you look at what happened with um, Petraeus with regards to his mishandling of classified information, I mean, the guy's life was ruined. And so it is an important issue because it's something that's a little easier for people to understand than the machinations that go on between Secretary of State Clinton and Libya and and uh, Syria and all that. I mean, that's when they got into that foreign policy stuff. It was just like word salad of uh, I don't know what uh, my intentions were and the outcome was and this happened and that happened and uh, but I think people can understand the email stuff and it is an important issue. So the idea that it's just uh, uh, some partisan thing that uh, is going on—I mean, it's it, partisan stuff generally doesn't get the FBI involved.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you know, even if you accept what she's saying at face value, which don't, um, but even if you do, it, it just suggests that she's grossly incompetent. So she either partook in criminal behavior or she's grossly incompetent and uh, opened up national security issues for america to just about everyone on the planet who is aware that there was a server in a bathroom so even accepting what she's saying is true she disqualifies herself as being qualified for the office just based on gross incompetence but you know we want to talk about the real issues Oh, I'm sure Nixon let's, was let's, saying that about Watergate too Everyone keeps talking about this Watergate can we talk about the real issues I'm sure if Hitler was alive Everyone brings up this holocaust How about we talk about the real issues Like, No, that's kind <laughs> of important
2: <laughs> Let, Let's move on to race briefly
1: we do, I though, thought,
2: Before we do, one comment yeah, yeah. I had I actually agreed with Bernie When he said that the American public Doesn't care about the emails They don't, because they don't care about The competence of their leaders That, that is mm. all I had to add
1: well, her poll numbers suggest that uh, some people care because they have been going down and down and down. She actually lost 10 points um, over the course of, I believe it was a month recently, and, and Sanders was really starting to pose a legitimate threat in a lot of polls. So uh, I, I'm sure, curious to see how this debate will impact that. But um, yeah, there's a lot of people that don't care, but there's some that are starting to. So that's uh, something. So
0: when the, when the topic of
1: race, I, I
0: find Democrats as a whole remarkably uncomfortable around issues of race. Like remarkably uncomfortable around issues of race. So I, I, there's, there's more pandering from the Democrat Party to black constituents than anything. And pandering is discomfort, right? Um, and uh, so when they say, let's talk about race. And let's give the conversation to Don Lemon, because hot potato, black man must catch it. <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious. You know, it's like, uh, let's talk about Scottish people. Okay, we'll give it to a guy who who's Scottish. Groundskeeper <laughs> like, Willie. Oh, man, it's like, it's crazy. Oh, race, shit, let's cut to Don. And now that was the only time that Don Don Lemon got a word in edgeways, right? Which he barely did.
1: Uh, other, I think he pitched to... Uh the black Facebook question about do black lives matter? No, but this was
0: the only thing. Race, Don, ask one completely nonsensical question and then we're going to discard you for the rest of the debate. Talk about your human black shield. You know, has come up. Quick, hold up the Don. Okay, lower the Don. Race has gone by. And do black lives matter or do all lives oh, matter? Oh, God. Well, and and um, I think it was Webb was the only guy who said, well, of course, all lives matter. And Bernie brings up Sandra Bland who's an activist who committed suicide in prison and um, somehow this is police brutality. It's a complicated story, but it's not as simple as, you know, these, these um, uh, activist killings or black killings and so on. They're always complicated, but everyone presents them as simple as, you know, white racist cops and all so that kind of stuff. And, you know, I mean, there were no blacks on the stage. There was a black on the stage at the Republican debate and, um, right, Dr. Carson and there were no blacks on the stage, and there were no blacks asking questions except for Don Lemon, who only got one stupid question about blacks. I mean, that's that's pure tokenism as far as that goes. And I just thought that was ridiculous. Let's get the black guy up here to answer a stupid question about blacks, which has nothing to do with economics and has nothing to do with foreign policy and is only about black activism. And, you know, it's just like, oh, God, how Patronizing and condescending could you all be
1: well and what's the state of the world and what is the state of the democratic party when the answer to that question that's going to get the best response is saying well, do all lives matter or black lives matter well black lives matter so we're, if you're asian fuck you oh, <laughs> if you're, you're hispanic American, meh, it doesn't matter Your life if doesn't you're matter. white eh who cares about it? I mean that's that just <laughs> that just says so much about the culture in which we live currently And uh, that 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 would be like he wouldn't just immediately be laughed off the stage and discredited as an individual from public life moving forward at all, that he's pandering in that way, shape or form. Never mind the fact that, you know, he was accosted by two Black Lives Matter supporters, two female Black Lives supporters that essentially pushed off the stage at one of his speeches not too long ago. Like, yeah, that's what we need, Someone that can just be pushed around by a couple activists. Good job, Bernie. But uh, Hillary Clinton was able to dodge the question. She wasn't explicitly asked, and uh, so she kind of slipped through. But everyone else except for Webb was just like, oh, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. It's like, oh, my God, that's the level of pandering that we're going to. No one, no one else matters. You know, <laughs> It's important that we send your children to college for free and we give them health care, but their lives don't matter because only black lives matter. What? What? God, well, look-
2: there's a bit of interesting history there as well because apparently – Hillary, earlier this year, got in trouble for saying that all lives matter, which is That's a controversial statement in 2015. That is a controversial statement. That is a controversial statement. And O'Malley also got in trouble earlier this year when he said all lives matter. And now he reversed his position and said black lives matter. And I've got to say my jaw just dropped when they said that because when I first heard the question, I thought to myself, all right, this is easy. Of course, it's, they'll say all lives matter. I mean, you're a
1: foreigner; you don't get it.
2: <laughs> I, I get, I get that whites in America are quickly becoming a minority, but at the same time, they're a huge voting book. You can't just say that their lives don't matter, but they did, which is quite remarkable.
1: And all the white people he, clapped. Yes, our lives don't. But back. here's here's the
0: thing. This is this is my imitation of the planning for this debate. Okay. I'll keep it very, very brief, and it will involve no French accents. But here's my, my, okay, see, well, now with the white people, we're going to talk about like foreign policy, we're going to talk about spending, we're going to talk about education, we're going to talk about uh, banking, we're going to talk about uh, campaign finance reform, and this is for the white people, and you know, some of the Asians as well. Now, when it comes to black issues, we're just going to tell them that they matter. And then we're going to move on very quickly. How, like, oh God, how condescending could you be? That's the only thing. That, can you tell us we matter? Okay, you go back to talking about the complicated
1: things we don't understand. Is that the
0: perspective that they have of black people? Oh,
1: God. Oh, how insulting. To give him some semblance of credit, I think it was Bernie Sanders that did bring up the black illegitimacy rate uh, at some point in this discussion. Oh, did he? Uh, it, but it was very brief and it moved on immediately. But at least that caveat was, was brought up. I assume it's white people's fault, though. <laughs> that was never specified, but all right, all one right. can assume. So, By the way, um, we, so, mentioned Webb, yeah, we mentioned Webb, we mentioned
2: O'Malley. There's one other guy who didn't mention, and for good reasons, because he was the ghost.
1: On, <laughs> Lincoln Chaffee. Lincoln, Lincoln Chaffee. I'm, I'm sure he's a nice man. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure, you know, if when he was your neighbor or something, he'd be friendly. He'd loan you a cup of sugar or something. I, but why was this man on the stage?
0: He'd lend you a cup of sugar, but you would have to look at his stamp collection from the 1920s. (laughs) So I think you'll go without the sugar, frankly.
1: But he has very high ethical standards and has never had a scandal. Never. Never had a scandal. He was very, very sure that he wanted to bring that up. And why has he never had a scandal? Because no one has cared enough to even look at his record or anything that he's ever done. It's it's very true that very
0: very few ghosts have a criminal record. I will certainly grant him that ectoplasmic truth.
1: And apparently he was a Republican, and then he was an independent, and now he became a Democrat. It's just like, okay. Anyway, the wind blows. Yeah, no kidding. It's, no, he was so Sandra who, said, sorry, go ahead, say.
2: Uh, Chaffee was the guy who ended his political career by saying, you know, when I just got in power, like I kind of made, made a mistake. I, You know, I voted, I voted for something I didn't agree with, and...
1: Yeah, we was questioned on his Mistake. vote, and he just like, my dad died, and they, they brought me into office to take his seat, and it was the first vote I ever did, so don't, it doesn't count, right? It's just like, oh my god, you're, you're actually on the stage trying to audition for the presidency of the United States, where you're going to have to make incredibly difficult situation um, um, decisions in tough situations, and you're like, but my daddy died, therefore I get a do-over, right? That doesn't count. Are you kidding me? I mean, you might as well have just pulled out a gun and shot himself on stage from a political standpoint. I mean, but that's exactly yeah, that's... what Clinton
0: did. Clinton said, uh, oh yeah, no, I voted for the Iraq war, then I found out it was actually about a war in Iraq, so that was terrible. Yeah, I voted for the Patriot Act, and then I found out there was all this bad stuff in it, so
1: that was... she. <laughs> <So> anyway, <laughs> Yeah, but she didn't go, like, well, I was distracted that day, because Bill was in the closet with an intern, so I get a do-over, right? No, I mean, she was difference... at least poetic in her sophistry.
2: There's a key difference between how Hillary and Chappie handled it: right, is Hillary never admits fault. She never said I was wrong. She never said it. No,
0: he's too honest. Yeah, he's too honest.
1: Which, that tells you something. I mean, that uh, Clinton, who never admits fault as a strategy, and Trump, who very rarely admits fault as a strategy, are two people doing very, very well in the polls. You know, like, actually saying, oh, you know, I messed something up, or I made an error of judgment in a certain situation this way, is a negative to the voting populace. You know, unless you just show commanding strength and say, like, no, I did it, it's fine. Uh, people are going to be like, "Oh, well, this guy—he does things wrong. He said so." Like, "Yeah, show no vulnerability or weakness. This is this is the the voting populace. They, no nuance. We must just strong iron fist command. We can't show any weakness. That's uh, that's pretty scary, frankly." So oh, it seems to work
2: so, pretty well for Putin.
0: <laughs> well, and and having a giant terror network also, I think, is a bit of a backup for that, right? Yeah. Um, but so Sanders, uh, first of all, he says we got to raise the The minimum wage to $15. Turns out, rut turns out that uh, he pays his interns $12 an hour. I I need the government to save me from myself. (laughs) I want to force people to pay people $15 an hour. I don't actually want to pay people $15. I don't know. That's just – that's natural. But he was basically saying – College is like high school 50 years ago. So he's basically saying, well, there's a minimum amount of education you need to survive in society. College is like high school 50 years ago, and 50 years ago, high school was free, therefore college should be free. Okay, that's an interesting argument. It does kind of obscure one basic fact, though, which is that High school is a lot worse now than it was 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. That that I think is sort of an important thing. We need to put on more free government education because the existing government education that is free
1: sucks. After 12 years of being educated people. by the government, you're not worth $15 an hour after 12 years of education. So we need to artificially raise wages there. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? And it's such, it's such
0: the party of the absent dad that I couldn't. I couldn't help but see that re- repeated over and over and over again because I sort of – I would go back like 100 years or 50 years even and, and you'd say, okay, so what do they want to give people? Well, they want to give uh, people um, uh, free health care. Well, you know, when you had a mom staying home with the kids and you had a dad working, the dad would pay for healthcare, and healthcare was way cheaper 100 years ago than it is now. Uh, and um, what they want a uh, uh, kindergarten and, and pre-k and, and early childhood education well that used to be something that the nuclear family would provide the mom would stay home and in general the dad would go to work and um, pay for college well in the past the dad who would working and maybe the mom if she was working at that point would would pay for college and uh, this sort of goes uh, on and on and on it seems to me that um, as we've talked about in the show before, the government policies have shredded and disintegrated the nuclear family. And so now the government has to rush in and provide to the children and to the wives in particular, all that the nuclear family used to provide. And this uh, will, will be your husband kind of stuff uh, is really, really powerful for a lot of people. And, and it's almost beyond choice. It's beyond, well, I can choose between the Republicans and the Democrats. Their lives have been set up in such a disorganized way and in such an economically unproductive way. They have no choice, really, but to vote for these kinds of policies. And the cheering is relief that their disastrous life decisions uh, are going to be backstopped. And this, to me, is the, it's the big bailout. It's the bailout of, of the disintegrated nuclear family far more important than the bailout of the banks, uh, because uh, at least you bail out the banks once and they kind of go on their way. This is a continuing and escalating voter base of, uh, I have no stability in my family structure, so I need the government to provide me stuff. And I just couldn't help every single time, uh, most of the issues came up, I just saw, well, who used to provide that in the past and why do we need so much more of it now? I think it comes back to the nuclear family.
1: Well, and a complete stripping of responsibility for people for winding up in bad places. As well, I mean that was talked about with the Family Medical Leave Act. It's like these women are being forced to go and in back into the workforce to make ends meet, and it's just like you know, they, it's not an accident when you have a child. You know, we do have birth control these days, so people make the decision to have a child when they can't financially afford a child. And then do they have to go back into the workforce? Hey, maybe they still have things that they could downsize. Maybe they get a smaller house, go into an apartment. Maybe there's other things they can do. But no, they're forced, you see. They're forced. No choice in the matter here when it comes to planning and having a family. You're forced to go back to work. So we must you know, pay or hold a gun to the head of employers which it's going to be great for small business owners that are just scraping by to now have to pay for employees that are going to want to get, uh, want to get knocked up and, and have a family. I mean, it, again, it sounds great on paper. Yes, mom's staying home with her kids. That sounds great on paper. But what you're just going to have is a whole lot of business owners deciding not to hire people. Because now this policy is put into place, and uh, you know it 's the stuff with college and healthcare it 's like, yes, college, why is college so expensive? Well, you have these things called licenses, and in order to get a license, you must have a degree, all these government created barriers to entry in various fields to the point where if you want to do something like even places you know it's it 's a common meme and a joke on the internet, like some places, you need a license to braid hair. Like, yes, and if you braid hair without a license, they will arrest you and put you in jail. And you know, if you remove these artificial barriers, maybe, maybe college wouldn't be that expensive. You know, but you get all these people herded in there and you're giving them government subsidized loans, and now we want to forgive those loans or refinance them because people made decisions to get degrees that are completely economically unproductive. You know, someone who went to school. To get a woman's studies degree or, you know, I don't know, political sociology. science or sociology or something, something that, you know, it's not a mystery that this is not going to offer lots of financial benefit in the market when you escape college. It's, this is not a mystery. This is not a new development. But these people that made these bad decisions went tens of thousands of dollars into debt to get something that's completely economically pointless. Now, instead of holding them responsible for their bad decision and letting them serve as a warning to other people to make better decisions in the future, we're going to absolve them of all responsibility and say, oh, we're just going to let you refinance your loans on the taxpayer's dime so you don't have to, you know, you get a do-over. Well, (laughs) okay, you get a do-over. That's not great. And that's another bailout. Yeah,
0: because instead of them not being able, instead of them going bankrupt, well, of course you can't discharge student loans even in bankruptcy. But um, well, and it's a bailout uh, of the
1: colleges as well. Yeah, you know, like college debt, student loan debt is one of the few things you can't discharge in bankruptcy currently. Man, wouldn't that be be something if uh, that law was changed and colleges had to take into consideration the who they accepted into their college if they would be able to pay back. Their loan, And if uh, the degree that they were getting was something that was economically productive enough for them to have a job in the future to pay back that loan, that might change the setup and system a little bit. But instead, we're just going to absolve uh, and refinance this debt in the taxpayer's dime and continue to subsidize the colleges who continue to jack up fees because they can. It's pretty simple. They do it because they can. So here's another government-created problem that we're going to throw a government solution at it that doesn't address the original problem. And you mentioned healthcare a second ago and absolving people of responsibility for healthcare. You know, you can't, it's very difficult to bid for healthcare out of state. Why is that? We're in a global economy. We're told this multiple times. We're in a global economy, the United States, you know, <laughs> there's lots of federal laws, but you can't bid to say, I'm in New York. If I want to go to a health insurance company in Arkansas and try and get coverage, it's very, very difficult. So, why do we have these artificial barriers? drawn up across state lines. Well, because the insurance companies really love it. And what is Obamacare? It's one of the primary tenets of Obamacare is these state exchanges, which you have to have in state insurance companies. So essentially, if you are one of the big insurance companies, and there's not many of them in each state, folks, they kind of have monopoly privilege in many cases, they can charge... Whatever they want. And the insurance companies are making a lot of money. They love Obamacare. They love it because it reduces the competition they have to face. So instead of addressing that, which is one thing Trump says, by the way, which uh, he completely gets right, is these artificial barriers on state lines when it comes to bidding for insurance you know instead of dealing with that we're just going to give medicare to everybody well okay well how come insurance isn't working it's working not working because of all these barriers and the fact that you have to cover pre-existing conditions so people don't bother getting insurance until they are sick i mean this is just common sense along the way not to mention that there's so many healthcare costs because of regulations and liability issues for absolutely absurd stuff so insurance for doctors is completely through the roof There's just so many problems on top of problems on top of problems and trying to manage the effect of those problems without going to the root of those problems, which more often than not are government laws and regulations to begin with. It's just madness at the highest level, and it's absolving responsibility from the people involved. Now, go ahead, Seth. Well, they want to give –
0: as far as I understand it, of course, if you're an illegal immigrant into America, you get (laughs) free health care. You get welfare. You can often vote, and even if you can't vote, vote your presence skews the demographics and uh, causes some district rezoning.
1: And, um, you can't ask for proof of citizenship. So illegal aliens, yeah. all the illegal aliens coming in, estimates between 11 and 30 from some people, million, million, uh, you yeah. know, are uh, able to go to the polls. And um, mm-hmm. someone's saying they're going to give them free health care and uh, college. And free tuition. Yeah.
0: Free tuition. So what on earth is the point of citizenship? <laughs> It's just this artificial barrier that you have to pay for when you can get all the stuff that you want without it. I've, when I first learned about that, <clears throat> I found this genuinely, and I'm pretty used to like weird stuff around government, but I just found this genuinely, you know, that I think it was in New Jersey that they they, they sued uh, illegal immigrants sued to get welfare. And it's like, what do you mean you sued?
1: <laughs>
0: you, you, you're no citizen. You're there illegally. And <laughs>
1: People that broke I, laws, are they illegally, using the legal system to try and get free stuff. America, everybody. Oh, my slow God. Slow golf clap. <laughs> you know. and, and, and
0: Republicans are demonizing hard, yeah, demonizing hardworking immigrants. Well, the reality is that immigrants are on welfare at significantly higher rates. Illegal immigrants, in particular, are on welfare at significantly higher rates than, um, uh, than the domestic population. And that's natural. Okay, so last thing I wanted to mention. So Clinton says, I'm not running as a woman fundamentally. I'm certainly not running as a Clinton, despite the fact that it's Clinton, Clinton, Clinton all over the place. But uh, so the question was, why won't you be Obama 2.0? Like, how would you be different from an Obama administration? And her first answer was vagina. (laughs) Because I'm a woman, you see. I'm going to take America from a sausage fest to a pastry shell. I'm going to take America from having an Audi to an Innie. And I find that fascinating because the whole point of a lot of the left stuff is to say that there is uh, no difference between men and women, between the ethnicities and so on. Um, women are perfectly equal to men. But if she's going to run as a woman, then she's saying that she's going to bring something different to the mix because she's a woman. Well, which is it? Are men and women fundamentally different and therefore having a woman president is, is going to be a big change? Or a men and women The same, in which case, why would you even say that? And this is the back and forth that generally happens with this. Women are better than men, but women and men are identical. Okay.
1: (laughs) Just clap, Stefan. Don't think too hard about it. And she and and no, go ahead. Well, she was also asked with uh, family medical leave right around this time too, um, saying, like, you know, that's another big government program and stuff. And her response didn't address the original question was but but Republicans, you know, they're all for big government when it comes to, the, you know, defunding Planned Parenthood and stuff like that. And it's like, wait, actually defunding Planned Parenthood would mean smaller government because that, you subsidize Planned Parenthood and give them money. So in that situation, they're actually for smaller government. But it made a nice applause line.
0: And, and she – didn't she say when, he, when the moderator asked um, who are the political enemies that you're most proud to have gotten? The Republicans.
1: Um, <laughs> What's her she apartment? said like
0: basically a whole bunch of people including the NRA and the Republicans. So basically half the entire country is her enemy. Well, I guess unlike most of Clinton's enemies, they're not going to end up packed in their own suitcase. <laughs> but um, half the country – and this is the same moderator – Who lectured Trump, on you got to be a president for all the people. It's like, so Hillary hates half the country. They are her enemies. (laughs) And remember, Romney was secretly taped. He said, well, 50% of Americans are never going to vote for me. And that was a huge deal.
1: 50%
0: of, he just said, he didn't say they were enemies. He just said, you know, a reasonable statement that 50% of the voters are not going to vote for him. So we should really focus on those in the middle. And that was a huge, oh my God, he's excluding 50% of the country from having, uh, but he didn't say they were enemies. Clinton has openly said here yeah. that half or more of the country are sworn enemies of her. Oh my God, I mean, how insane is that? They should just, I mean, the the, the most of the journalists didn't even stand up for Sheryl Crow's breathy, horrifying rendition of the national anthem. I mean, you hate America. We got it. You want to be Europe? Uh, we got it. Uh, but uh, the, the fact that half of America are, are the enemies, and nobody called her on it, and nobody, none of the other candidates repudiated her, and said, "Come on, Hillary, what, what a great, uh, what a great thing that would have been to say to Hillary that is unconscionable that you would view half of the country not as people with different approaches to solutions, not as people with different ideologies, but you would view half the country as your sworn enemies." And you think that you're going to do some sort of ruling or or some sort of uh, leadership while viewing half of the people in the country as enemies? That is reprehensible. They have different approaches, different perspectives, different arguments. Sometimes their arguments are better than ours, right? I mean, we're not always right and they're always wrong. That's demonization, petty and immature. But the idea that you would want to be leadership of the country while telling the country that half of the people in it are your sworn enemies should disqualify you from uh, running a McDonald's, let alone the country
1: as a whole. And it was one of her biggest applause lines, yeah. which tells you what you need to know. There's another Hillary Whopper in there, which should bring up as well, when she said we lose 90 people a day to gun violence. Uh, She left out the fact that uh, two-thirds of those are (laughs) suicides. So, you know.
0: And two-thirds of those occurred while having to watch the um, debate. So,
2: By the way, (laughs) just one question. I'm not particularly clear on this. Since when is suicide considered violence? How do you, how do you violate your own <laughs> desire to not get shot by shooting yourself? Stop thinking.
0: Oh yeah, look, if if suicide is violence, I got laid a lot in my early teens. <laughs> I'll let everyone dwell on that one. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> now, the interesting thing too is that a lot more a lot more talk came up about Israel and 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 all that in the Republican debate um now of course bernie sanders is jewish and not like uh inconsequentially jewish mm-hmm. um so how about asking bernie sanders if him being jewish would affect his decisions regarding israel Jew- i think that would have been an interesting question
1: are you saying there's a jewish communist stuff a jewish socialist oh That's my god well one. to
0: be fair a lot of jewish capitalists too but yeah a, a, a jewish guy on the left uh who uh um, <laughs> is provoking class resentment Ah, never seen that before except the entire 19th century of communist literature. But um, yeah, that was, uh, I I, I just fundamentally want to know which rich kids taunted Bernie Sanders when he was a kid. That's all I want to know. Because when when they said, uh, well, 0.6% of Americans pay over 30% of the taxes, clearly that's not enough. (laughs) It's like, do you even hear what you're saying? Because I thought when they brought this up, again naively, yeah, uh, well, point six percent of Americans pay thirty percent of the taxes. Clearly, that's
1: unbalanced. <laughs> it's like that's not enough. God. And again, when you look that's at what? the information, that if you tax people at a hundred percent, you're still barely paying for the current budget, let alone any of these future programs. It just economically falls apart at every level. Gladstone.
0: How does Bernie Sanders refer to himself in the third person?
1: He did that a few times. I saw.
0: Yeah. Does he have a hand puppet in his pocket that's filleting him? I mean, what, what is that? Like, why are there two of him up there? I don't Wouldn't know. And also, no one goes to jail on Wall Street, Clinton. You know, they're too big to jail, too big to fail. Okay. Well, how about, um, how about uh, prosecuting Bush for the Iraq War? For lying to the American public, for committing war crimes, for committing the international crime of aggression? How about... I mean, is that was that a little bit more important? You know, there are, in fact half a million or more dead from that, is that a little bit more important than who did what uh, in the banks? Uh, but of course, that can't be. You, you've got to focus all the hatred on uh, Wall Street uh, and um, avoid the complicity. This was a war that she voted for that turns out to be, as far as I understand it, a war crime. Uh, it was the in, initiation of aggression against a country which posed no imminent threat to the United States. And of course, they said it did. Everyone poses that says that, right? But... Um, that, to me, uh, was uh, where the huge disconnect is. And the idea that out of all of the incredible international crimes that the American government has been complicit in just over the last 10 or 15 years, um, the idea that the big problem is Edward Snowden. And again, this is where I like the Democrats. You know, this is the, this is the swing, right, which is, um, as, as one of them said, um, the, the courts have found that, that uh, Snowden did nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. And, um, and of course, only Hillary Clinton, as we talked about earlier, was concerned about secrets getting out. (laughs) The fact that she basically had open source uh, invitation to Chinese hackers in her toilet. But um, yeah, I mean, the the idea that that the big problem is Edward Snowden. And and, and I love the fact, you know, again, Bernie Sanders, love the NSA, shut it down. Absolutely. No equivocation. Of course, it should be shut down. It is a violation of the Fourth Amendment. And it is wrong. And again, if you could just Franken politician these people together, uh, that would be fantastic. You know, let's get some of the um, uh, criticism of uh, foreign policy that goes on on the left and the criticism of the war on drugs and the criticism of the expansion of the military industrial complex uh, and all that and merge it somehow together with the fiscal conservatism on the right. You'd get, well, I guess you'd get the libertarians, right? Which is uh, the, uh, the idea. Classical liberals. That. Which is what? Yeah,
2: liberal
0: classical liberals, probably a better way uh, of putting it. But. Um, man, you've really got to pick your poison with these guys.
1: Before we move on from Clinton, I just want to say, you know, Clinton talking about people escaping prosecution is rich right now. I mean, Ooh. like, the, the irony is thick yeah. as those
2: words escape her mouth. <laughs> Not only because of her actions, but her husband. I remember there was something there as well. Yeah, I mean, she talks about basically,
0: she talks about having a vagina in the uh, in the chair of the Oval Office. I think under Bill Clinton's, Rain that did happen fairly often, there just happened to be a penis on top of it <laughs> <laughs> so are we 're going to do another one. Do you think uh, these are uh, a bit grueling to get through? This one felt long The, the first uh, Republican debate felt long too, but they wanted to stuff commercial time in there, but it felt long to me, yeah, and I know that 's a bunch of stuff like gun control we didn 't really touch on, but uh,
1: I will say, it, it, uh, it folks, wrong. if you want us to do the next Republican, next Democratic ones, let us know because, I mean, frankly, it's not too enjoyable to watch these things. I wanted to do the first Democratic one because uh, the spectacle of seeing Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton interact. We actually got to see Hillary Clinton live. <laughs> she was actually there. I don't think it was a hologram. She wasn't in a bike store hidden away from the president. Oh, that public. smug
0: smile every time she speaks, that smug Cheshire cat, self-satisfied smile is truly, truly grating. <laughs>
1: And they've uh, some of the other candidates, Bernie and uh, Michael Malley, have been pushing for more debates, more debates, more debates. And, uh, you know, that's pretty much been shut down by the Democratic committee, which I imagine is in the pocket of Clinton. Uh, You know, so she doesn't get exposed to much sunlight when it comes to getting asked questions. And from just the delivery standpoint, she did a lot better tonight than I was expecting her to do. You know, she still has that old Clinton magic liar, liar, pants on fire charm. She was able to trout out there, but uh, you know, watching these aren't—is it exactly <laughs> how I'd normally spend my time and my interest? Oh, in Oh, I it mean, because we don't so. we don't
0: believe in this we don't believe in this particular religion, so it's like uh, watching a video of Richard Dawkins watching a video of a, of a Latin mass. So for us, it's not <laughs> that easy. Sorry, sorry, USA.
2: No, I was just going to say that if people are curious, because the the one big talking point that we haven't addressed yet is gun control. And they talked quite a bit about it. We do actually have a series of videos on crime, and one of them is particularly um, focused on gun control. So we'll be talking a lot more about it. But let's just say that uh, blaming guns, not exactly not exactly the right way to approach it. And let's just also say that one of the big voting blocs for the Democrats is actually responsible for a lot of the gun violence. But that spoiler. is that spoiler. is spoiler alert. <laughs> 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 a pretty and comprehensive we'll presentation about on it. that
1: coming out in, in the, the very answer. near future. And one last thing to mention is a lot of people say, "Oh, well, you know, you're very critical of things, but you're not offering any solutions." So I'd actually like to address that and tell people to go to slash r e e and uh, pick up the free book, Practical Anarchy: The Freedom of the Future. It's uh it's an interesting book, which if you're looking for solutions and our thoughts on things. That's a good place to start in addition to the podcast series. So there's some potential solutions for you. Yeah, everyone says we, we don't have solutions just because they don't
0: like our solutions. <laughs> Doctor, I'm fat. We'll eat less. Well, come on. Give me a real solution. <laughs> okay, exercise more. Oh, come on. Give me a real solution. Something involving Ham. space aliens beaming away my subcutaneous fat and depositing it on Mars for Matt Damon to eat. But, um, yeah, we, we have solutions <laughs> People don't like them, for the most part, because they're a great challenge, but uh, they are the real solutions, in, of course, in my opinion. So, Thanks, everyone, so much for listening and watching. We look forward to your feedback and comments below. Let us know if uh, you want us to put ourselves our hearts through the cheese grater of uh, highly focused, laser-like, brain-scalding statism again. And we will for you, the listeners who rule us all. Uh, and uh, freedomainradio.com slash donate to help out the show, of course. Uh, thanks, Mike and Stoyan. Always a pleasure. Uh, thanks, uh, everyone, for listening and watching. And we'll talk to you next time.